Please stand up for the reading of God's word. The scripture reading today is Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. The birth of Jesus Christ. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother, Mary, had, given, had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to have to be <clears throat> with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But he, considering these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear that to take Mary to your wife, for that which is in her is from, is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall come, shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph heard, woke from the sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, and he knew her not until she had uh, given birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. This is God's world. Amen. Jeanette recently shared a story of when she was counseling at Birthright. An emotionally distressed young pregnant woman, overwhelmed by what life would be like if she carried her baby to full term, came to the center with a friend. When her friend assured her with the words, I will help you. Those words made all the difference to her. Those four words communicating, I am with you all the way, gave her the courage to bring a new life into this world. The greatest words of encouragement are, I am with you. The greatest words of comfort are, I am with you. The greatest words of hope are, I am with you. Those words can make all the difference. No matter what we are going through, when we hear these words, we feel less alone, more peaceful, more supported, more confident and more courageous. We're always uplifted and propelled by them. Imagine what we would feel if in every circumstances we heard God say, I am with you. What are you going through? What are your greatest anxieties today, your most pressing concerns? your greatest fears or your greatest challenges. 
hear God saying, I am with you. Let's pray. Our Father, you want us to know this. You want us to know your special presence. We, you want us to know your caring help. You want us to be bolstered by the fact that you are alongside us always. Bring that home to us, Lord, not just on the Sunday morning in, in uh, this sanctuary, but throughout our days. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Every Christmas season is an opportunity that to remember that God is not against us. He's not away from us. He's not beyond us. But God is with us. God echoed this message from the dawn of history, and it came to a crescendo in a stable in Bethlehem. His declaration, I am with you, is woven throughout the Old Testament. He spoke these words to Isaac as he sought refuge from a famine, to Jacob as he fled from his brother's wrath, to Moses when he was called to do the impossible, to Joshua as he took leadership over a stubborn people, and to young Jeremiah when he felt insecure and incapable of speaking on God's behalf. And in God's sign to King Ahab in Isaiah 7, 14, when his nation appeared to be on the eve of destruction. Matthew quoted this verse as he reflected upon Jesus' birth. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. The first promise of Emmanuel through Isaiah was given during a turbulent and harrowing time. Syria and Israel had joined forces against Judah. The prophet Isaiah implored King Ahaz, faithless king, Trust God instead of turning to Assyria for protection. Assyria, a nation that was devouring other nations. And so Isaiah offered a sign to prove that God could be trusted. A child would be born to a young woman who was a virgin at the time of the prophecy. He would be named Emmanuel. By the time he was of age, the threat of Syria and Israel would be eliminated by Assyria. While we don't know the identity of the newborn, we do know the prophecy of Assyria's victory came true within 12 years, the time a child was considered to be of age. As great as this fulfillment was, there is a greater fulfillment in the birth of Jesus. His time was just as fraught with danger Rome had already conquered it, Judah and was oppressing them. Their despotic king, Herod, aligned with Rome and ruled ruthlessly over the Jewish people. If ever there was a need for a sign of God's presence, it was then. 700 years earlier, the birth of a child named Emmanuel 
demonstrated God's presence among his people. At this time, it was not a child named Emmanuel, but one who is Emmanuel. This child demonstrated God's presence among his people. Emmanuel, God incarnate, was about to be born as a sign that you could trust God because he is with you. And while God delivered Judah from the threat of Syria and Israel, Jesus didn't deliver them from Rome or Herod. He brought a greater deliverance, a deliverance from fear, from spiritual oppression, from futility, and most of all, from divine judgment, which was announced in his name, Jesus. As Matthew described, she will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin. Everything about Jesus' birth was supernatural. An angel announced the news to Mary. We see in Luke, the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. Her conception was supernatural, surfaced by her question to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? The angel answered and said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you and therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. An angel appeared to her husband Joseph, as we just heard read. As he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit. And God's promise of 700 years earlier was fulfilled in this child. Everything about Jesus' birth and his person was supernatural. The true Emmanuel was about to enter the world. As we often sing, veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, pleased with us in flesh to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel. We may envy those who experience Jesus firsthand. Still, we have the presence of the Lord today. The final words of Matthew's book are from Jesus when he said, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We're going to reflect now on five implications of the fact that Emmanuel has come. First, because Emmanuel has come, God has already tangibly made himself known to us. You know, many skeptics have claimed, if I could see God, then I'd believe. And while God the Father is not tangibly present so that we can see, hear, or feel him, God the Son was. 
God walked among us. Jesus was born into our world. He declared himself to be God by using the divine name I am in reference to himself. We have recorded history of his life replete with signs that proved his claims. You know, the religious leaders charged him with blasphemy, claiming to be God. They sought his life, and they were a threat to everyone who would believe. Despite all the pressure on people to denounce Jesus, we read, yet many of the people believed in him. They said, when the Christ appears, will he do more signs than this man has done? Jesus gave them more proof as his claims than anyone could ask for. Doubting Thomas, the skeptic among the disciples, said he wouldn't believe unless he saw the resurrected Jesus. And when he saw the risen Christ, he claimed, my Lord and my God. Jesus responded, have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who believe who have not seen. God has shown himself to us. He walked among us. Whether we have seen him or not, others have. The presence of Emmanuel answers the question, what is God like? What, what feelings would he have? What choices would he make? How would he interact with us if he came to earth? We have the answers because Jesus' life answers those questions. As Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father. And that's enough for us. We just want to see. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still don't know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Jesus has shown us God. God's holiness, justice, goodness, faithfulness, mercy, grace, and love are not mere words. They were lived out among us in the person of Jesus and experienced by everyone who would receive him. Because Emmanuel has come, he is here to guide us through the labyrinth of life. Philosophers, theorists, and prognosticators speak with an air of authority on life's biggest questions, what we should value and how we should live. If we build our lives on people's limited perspectives, we build on ever-shifting sand. Because Jesus is God, his perspective is unlimited. It's heavenly. So we can build our lives on his word and his ways. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is the way. He shows us how to live. He's the truth. He answers all the biggest questions of life. And he is the life. He offers himself in a relationship with God, the Father, as a way of living, a fulfilling joy-filled, purpose-filled life. 
Because Emmanuel has come, we can experience God's comfort in whatever we're going through. God the Son has felt everything we feel. He wept alongside Mary and Martha at their brother's tomb. He looked out at a massive crowd, had pity on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He looked out at an th audience of a thousand and had pity on them because they hadn't eaten for days. He felt the grief of a widow who had recently lost her son. He brought him back to life. He was heartbroken over a rich young ruler who rejected his offer of eternal life. He wept over Jerusalem because its people were going to be judged for rejecting him. He felt everything you feel. He was despised and rejected, betrayed, denied, unjustly convicted, and unjustly sentenced to death. He was tempted in every way as we are. He was riddled with anxiety to the point of death when he prayed God's will in Gethsemane. He will always be there for us. Hebrews says, because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Our struggles can move us away from God or they can move us toward him. When we know that Jesus is with us, when he moves towards us in those times, we will be strengthened and we will move closer to him. Because Emmanuel has come, we have a divine co-worker on a supernatural mission. At the end of Matthew's gospel, Jesus promised he'd always be with us. He made this promise because he had just given his disciples and us a supernatural mission. Go make disciples throughout the whole world. We can't make disciples. We can't change people's hearts or their wills. We can't get them to follow Jesus. We can't convince them to see Christ the way we see Christ. We're not God. But he is God and he is with us. God called us to the greatest possible work leading people to the fountain of life, bringing them into an eternal relationship with Christ and helping them to walk with Christ. And he doesn't leave us alone. Emmanuel, God is with us to work through us on a mission he has given us. Because Jesus is Emmanuel, we can be forgiven and given new life. Like Adam and Eve, we don't want to face our sinfulness. Like them, we hide, deny, blame others, blame the circumstances, blame God. We can't hide from God. 
He knows us through and through. And Ephesians gives us a description. You were dead in your trespasses and sin. We're by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Every one of us is or has been spiritually dead, separated from God, deserving of his wrath. We rejected God, but he doesn't want to reject us. However, God is holy and just. As a result, our sin has created that barrier between us and God. If he embraced our sin, he would cease to be holy. If he didn't judge our sins, he would cease to be just. His love, mercy, and grace cried out to him to save us. His holiness and justice said, I can't unless their sin is paid for. So how could he love us and be just at the same time? If there was a substitute to take our place, to take our penalty. And that was God's plan. In the Old Testament, we, we see Passover, Yom Kippur, and animal sacrifices picture what God was going to do in Christ. The blood of bulls and goats can't pay for sin because they are by nature different from humans. However, the sacrifices do point us to Christ, someone who could take our place. But that person would have to be a person have to have the same nature as us. But if there was one perfect person to take place, they could only take the place of one other person to be just. But if that person who took our place was infinite, then he could pay for the sins of everyone. And so God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son. He came into the world, he became man, that he might bear the sins of all of humanity. He took flesh and blood so he could be a suitable substitute for us and satisfy God's justice by bearing our penalty. Hebrews again, therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Propitiation for the sins of the people. He satisfied God's justice. Charles Spurgeon sums up the, another reason for the incarnation. Why has he come down to us? 
but that we may come up to him. Why has he taken our nature in its sorrow? But that we may become partakers of the divine nature in righteousness and holiness. He comes down not to thrust us lower, but to lift us to the heights of perfectness and glory. That Jesus is man and yet God is full of hope and joy for us who believe in him. Now, we've only scratched the surface. We've only looked at the tip of the iceberg about what it means that God is with us. There's much more to ponder. Early church father John Chrysostom leaves us with a few more treasures of what it means that Emmanuel has come. Truly wonderful is the whole chronicle of the nativity. For this day, ancient slavery is ended. The devil is confounded. Demons take flight. The power of death is broken. From this day, paradise is unlocked. The curse is taken away. Sin is removed, error driven out, and truth has been brought back in. A heavenly way of life has come implanted on the earth. Why is this? Because God is on earth. Mary treasured all she knew about Jesus in her heart. May we do the same. Let's pray. Our Father, it is impossible, impossible to bring home what only your spirit can do, the wonders, the glory of Jesus, the love the mercy, the grace, the justice and holiness that all come to us through Jesus Christ. We thank you and praise you for his provision. May we, no matter what we are going through, no matter what challenge we face, always remember God is with us. Amen.